Yo, yo, yo. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Void Season 2. Um, I think Episode 8 and the final episode of Season 2. And today we have a very interesting topic. Ray, do you want to tell us about it? Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. But before we even get into that, just something I noticed, man. That yo-yo-yo thing. Where did it even come from? I like I've noticed we've started almost all of these episodes. They say yo yo yo, what's up guys? YouTube fam, I used to do YouTube. <laughs> all the interests. What do you mean all the YouTubers, man? Like that's good. Uh, okay, back in the day. But anyways, yeah guys, today we're gonna be talking about something that's very interesting, quite a bit controversial with you know, the recent unfortunate passing of His Excellency John Magafuli, the president of Tanzania. But today we're going to be talking about international relations and basically trade blocks. So this is how many countries get together and decide, look, guys, we have different stuff and we want to sell it as one so we can make the largest profit. So it's basically a joint venture, but for countries. Um, so we'd just like to start off by looking at one of the more recognized or well-known ones, which I think would be the European Union. That's like in UK, Spain, Germany, Austria, all, all of those guys. And I would say it's an example of what one would think of as a successful trade block because they've managed to create a sort of ecosystem within them with interdependence between each of those countries. And so Spain needs something from the UK and the UK uses something from Germany. Germany uses something from somewhere down in Italy. So it's a whole ecosystem, but then obviously not all of those countries are equal, you could say. Um, I don't know. What what do you think is the most powerful country in the European Union, man? I say the UK. At least Germany. 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 Why do you say that? What you don't understand is that Germany is the powerhouse of Europe. Come for good story, UK. Germany. Germany, like, I know it's a bit understated, but uh, just guess Germany's GDP and the UK's GDP. Germany, I don't know. UK uh, GDP is hitting about 2.8 trillion USD. Okay, yeah. Uh, the Germans are doing 3.6. <laughs> what? Per capita? 3.6. Germany wow. is one of the biggest economic players in, in, in that, in that yeah, whatever. And that's why, um, what's her name? Angela Merkel. Mm. Yeah. That's why Germany has, you know, Germany is a very, I like how they play their game. Very calm, very, very smart, very bold. You know, Germany, though, you said you said you've understated them, but Germany is a past. You know, I thought Germany is because, you know, the UK could have been, the UK was just the known for the final, what was it, a service industry, bro? Exactly. You understand? Yeah. And service, I don't, I, this is, I don't know, I haven't seen a country truly successfully just become extremely big on services. You see, to. Germany has always Germany produces a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. They produce a lot of um, raw material. They produce a lot of finished materials, steel, other stuff. Even export oil. They have a very diverse economy, and that's why 
automatically even assumed it's much bigger. But yeah, back to trade. I mean, yeah, bro, especially even just looking at the most obvious factor, the geographical, you know, demarcation of the UK and Germany. First of all, the UK is an island, bro. It has no physical connections apart from maybe some bridges to the mainland. And of course, that makes trade much harder. And apart from that, they have very limited physical resources. They're not oil rich like some countries like the UAE. They're not agriculturally rich like wheat in the US. So it's difficult. It's difficult for them to function as an independent unit. But then despite all of this, um, the UK still decided to exit the trade block uh, with Brexit. So, you know, they chucked the European Union and the various factors for this. Some people will say it's because the UK felt as if their potential or at least their contribution to this trade block wasn't worth what they were receiving in exchange, you know? Some people would say even London is what? The final... Do you, do you... World. Yeah. Mm, so I don't know. When, when you have such a recognized presence no, but you see what you in the world... Also, okay, one thing that I also realized about um, uh, Brexit, yeah? Um, that was not a very objective decision. This is how it was running. This is this is what this is this is why you don't leave such big decisions to. You leave it to the people, but not in in the current democracy. And this is one failure of democracy I want to highlight. Yeah, I, I personally tell you, I went to the UK now, which and I remember there was a guy who, you know, he voted yes, Brexit, everything, and then immediately they left. He was used to run off one of the biggest fishing farms in Norwich. All his clients left. It was done. The next day, it was done. Like he, he, he. What he realizes that what he was, what he was actually promised, what he voted for, was not anything. He didn't even realize the consequences. You understand? It was a political play. Put emotions on one side and the second side. That's why the prime minister resigned when they went when they left. You remember? Because even him, he knew, him, he knew this game has been played by. It's been played by another system and now it's played the people into making a decision that's going to remove them from something extremely beneficial. And even like some of those facts on those buses that were fake, at 370 million pounds a week is being lost here. That was fake. So it was, it was altered numbers. And you see, it's a power of fear, fam. And it, might, it completely split the UK in two. And ever since I left there, I told you what happened. They lost a trillion dollars. Just in, in, in a year, in, just in, in, in and even 20, and just from a trillion dollars in capital left London in the past year, 20,000 jobs have left more on the okay. way. See, now what people also realize, see what people don't realize that time is that, okay, I'm not from the UK, but anyway, they were just, they were just manipulated and now they're going to suffer the consequences. Dude, that, that little that island, is, yeah. that little island is not I going to survive. But anyway, back to trade blocks. Well, back to trade blocks, back to trade blocks. So basically now, um, the reason the the European Union has functioned so successfully in the past is because they've had a well-diversified portfolio of exports and imports. So while some regions like maybe France might handle a lot of agricultural produce, um, London might handle some more subjective matters like finance and administrative purposes. 
of course, you have Germany that has a lot of industrialization. And then there's other locations in Italy that have a lot of social power with um, the Catholic Church having its head there in the Vatican. So, of course, with all of these different stuff coming together, that's how you get a well-structured and well-diversified trade block. And that's one of the reasons it's been so successful over the years. And then you come down to the local level where you have the East African Commission, EAC, it had the potential to be a good trade block, of course. Um, Kenya has a wide variety of stuff, but then the thing is, in Africa as, as a whole, and I'm just generalizing here, a lot of the produce we have seems to be the same because we lie at the same point um, in our economic development and geographically we're all on the same point in the equator. So countries close together like Uganda, Tanzania, Kenya, we will see the same stuff being grown like maize, maybe some beans here, some coffee, and we end up competing in our exports. So you'll see Kenya will ship 20 tons of tea leaves to Pakistan and Uganda will go ahead and ship another 40 tons. And when you have this competition of course, supply and demand, basic economics, the price of this stuff goes down and the value then goes down as well. You get less revenue to the country. So the basic principle of a trade block would be, okay, Tanzania, give us your 40 tons. We put together our 20 tons and then we sell it to Pakistan, 60 tons in total. So that's, we get to drive the price higher, we will have more profits. But then um, the benefits of this aren't seen immediately. Once a trade block is established, I'd say give it approximately 10 years, 20 years for you to, for you to start seeing actual tangible results. And this is why in Africa, it could be such a big problem because presidents are mainly in power for what? 10 years at max in most democratic states. And so it's hard for this plan to be implemented long-term because the presidents are only interested in, okay, I'll sort myself out for these two times in office, I dip, and I'll be okay. So trade blocks, it's tricky. It's tricky to establish something like that. But mm. what are your thoughts? Hmm, a trade block. Interesting. Okay. This whole conversation is just about how, um, it's all about resource allocation. Mm-hmm. And... Resources are truly what drive economies. So, you know, when it comes to trade blocks, it's about, um, you know how economics works, there has to be a buyer and a seller. You understand? So it's better when, if you can consolidate, let's say if there are 10 sellers in a market and there are 10 buyers, that, that would be a very, very, I mean, if me and Yuri are selling, I don't know, water, yeah? Yeah. We have our shops right next to each other. We're selling water to two people. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. that's, that's, or not even to test for people, actually. So it'll never be at the, there'll always be an issue of there's not like, there's not enough customers. You understand? Like, they'll yeah. only be able to sell to, four, to maybe two of those people. Anyway, combining, Ooh. now becoming a trade block, basically combining the supply side. So me and you become one company. More profits for all of us. You understand? So yeah. anyway, this is all about also economic power comes from regions. There's no single country in the planet by size. Yeah. The biggest, country, the, the most prominent players in the world, have you seen their geographic size? 
the geographic size is not just a matter of luck. That size allows them to have massive economies. Somewhere like the States. The States, if they were all individual countries, what do you think would have happened on that continent? <laughs> It'll have been a madness. They'll not be as big as they were. So basically, trade blocks is about saying, okay, um, me and you, we need to make money. But why are we making money? We need to make money to develop this country, to move society forward, fine. So instead of being two different countries, let's become a whole nation and then we all build together. And that's okay. what, you know, the mindset that crosses eventually, you get 10, 20, even in the region of 10 to 20 countries, the region becomes big enough in terms of population that you don't even need to have a lot of competition in your markets. You get. Yeah. So that's why trade blocks really work because of the amount of, they put a big amount of um, potential customers onto a very, I guess, limited sup- uh, supply side. You get in a, in a certain sense. So yeah, the it's about the, and the story is over. And yeah, but trade blocks have been very, very successful, especially the EU. Forget about the states. The EU is probably you know, one of the most successful. Every country that's gone into the EU has developed crazily, no matter where it started. It has really moved. And the EU is one of the most successful ones because then they truly implemented once. They're basically a whole country. If you, have, if you have a passport in the EU, you can go anywhere, work anywhere, live anywhere, do anything anywhere. You, sure, you can just take a train across borders. And the story is over. So that opens the chances economically, travel, everything changes. You see? Yeah. So now what I'm saying is, now back to your question of the African now problem with the leaders and the issue of time. The EU has been around for almost 50 years now. The EEC has been around for 40, 1970 till now, around there. So not, it's not that we don't have the time. And secondly, that thing of, now that's another issue um, of individualism you see that that thing of just me and me only is why nobody's really moving anywhere that's why the eu really works it's not that it's just me and me only it's me and everyone in this eu please like even in america you know how proud americans are to be american and i can be <laughs> in new york some guy has gone to fight in Sijui where the other side of the world those guys are there they're watching it like i don't know what you understand you feel the patriots in those guys have the president will come in and the president will be just for me. Like, he'll obviously benefit, but it'll always be like, they'll always have common goals. I was telling you in the 1930s, yeah, this is how the states truly grew when they were building the roads. The interstate highway system took almost 40, 50 years, but you see, it started with one man and he said, okay, this is the blueprint. This is truly what America needs to be. And everyone also saw, because they're all smart people, they're also, okay, yeah, this infrastructure needs to be built. And every single president that came in from 1930 until 1970, one of their main agendas was ensuring that that interstate highway was done. Five different generations, five different people. Single agenda. That's the power of unity. Africa were not united, but too divided. And you know why? We're too divided because, because of just media and a lot of stuff, you know? Dividing people is much easier than uniting people. That's true. And Africa's differences have always been highlighted to be its weaknesses, but they should be its strengths. The diversity, the amount of ideas, the amount of different perspectives. Everyone just embraced each other in a very social way. That's how Africa used to be. Africa did have no... It's when the colonialists came and they started lining, dividing Africa into these sections. Yeah, and, they make, and, then, and then they spread propaganda about just to keep, just to keep people... People, like I was saying, I was still looking at something. Um, I think it's Eritrea. Its main trading partners are China, the UAE, and some other country. Who are its neighbors? Uh-huh. Ethiopia, Egypt, South Sudan, Sudan. Sudan. 
Somalia, something okay. like how like the, the, you can literally drive a truck. You'd rather move a plane or a ship than do business with this guy right here. Probably needs the same thing. I mean, that's about another anyway. economic climate, bro. Because you see, in Africa, post-colonialism, with all the division and everything, first of all, during colonial times, of course, there are different nations. And these nations are practically at war with each other because they are different territories of different countries. And so post-colonialism, even after the colonialists have left the country and the continent somewhat, um, the members of these countries still have the mindset of individualism. And so there are some efforts. You have to, you have to give it that. You see some efforts like the African Union trying to establish a united trading um, system for all African nations. It was signed when January 1st, um, some sort of um, rule of law, at least some legislation in order to enable or facilitate better trade across borders. It's not as easy or as systematic or as fluid as the European Union yet. But again, you have to understand that Africa is different from Western countries, but we're never gonna be able to adopt the same model as Europe and the yeah, US. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what we don't need. You see, I don't, we don't we need that. We, I was saying the one the main reason Africa is still where it is today because we've been trying to copy the West. You know, we have Africans have a very interesting history. We should go back and actually see what we used to do. And yeah. Africans have always been unique in everything they do always flowing in a certain different kind of energy. You know, they always used to have these, or always, Africans have always been building sustainable structures, always just being, you know, living life for the planet, you understand? Exactly. They'll, not exp- they'll never exploit resources like this. That's sustainable ways to do it. And I mean, that's the African honestly. model. And that's, and that's it, since another topic I need to talk about, sustainable long-term growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, um, back to the African thing, but... We don't need to copy Europe. We don't need to. We don't need to copy This is what needs to happen. What needs to happen is that every single, like African leaders need to sit down and realize, as that Ghanaian president said, not even the president, but Switzerland president said, we need the resources and you have them. We have all the power. We are now, what we're going to do, number one, like what, you know, sadly died, Magufuli did last year when, all the economies were closing and there was an increase in the demand for maize because there was not enough demand. So TZ was the only country that kept the economy open and they were, they, were they, they had a lot of um, maize and he said, feed ourselves first mm-hmm. because, and then feed the rest at excess price. Yeah. And the entire world, like elf niggas had to, um, they had to concede to the first. They right? had to. They had to because we have we have the resource. They might have the means of production, but without a resource, there's no production happening. I mean, honestly, now if we're looking at it in terms of Africa, what do you think would now be the ideal, like the most ideal version of a trade block Africa could have? This is what I will need. I will need. Um, I will need a Switzerland-like system. Hmm. A bit much more. A bit much more. I would like. Oh, like Africa is very big, 1.4 billion people representing all of them, and it's very hard. And uniting them is very, you, you have to do it in a very interesting way. Each country will only join if they feel like they're not getting, you know, it's like it has to be an equal deal for every country. 
So we all join like this. We all move forward in good faith. There's nobody who's being cheated out of anything. Number one. Number two, people need to realize we have all these resources. We need to take the we need to take the means of production. You don't think if we took the means of production, do you think you don't think Africans we have one point four billion? By moving that means of production, you move the economy. The more people get jobs, the more consumers are there. Eventually, Africa will become like the USA. They they consume so much within the economy. You that what they export is, is not their business. It's not their main business. You understand? Then you're generating your revenue from internally, most of the time. And then the last thing people need to do is now completely come up with an identification system that will allow the removal of borders and just the movement of Africans freely. And then a true transportation system. I'll suggest a hyperloop system from South Africa to Cairo to Morocco like that. And then branches. So our story are planes. Planes pollute too much. Electric planes will never be viable. A hyperloop across the continent will make too much money. Honestly, I It'll feel like fast, that too efficient. Because because it's Africa, of course, you're gonna have some challenges here, um, short term gain over long term success. But then, I'll go back to the same exact reference I always love using. Um, and again, this is just a generalization. But if you go to places like the U.S. and you look at certain Jewish communities, even through the coronavirus pandemic very rarely will you ever see a Jewish business closing down because of lack of customers. Because if you go to these communities, you're going to see the Jewish barber has a lot of Jewish customers and every Jew in the community will go and bank with this one Jewish banker so that, and of course, this Jewish restaurant will be supplied by a Jewish grocer. So everything circumnavigates within that same system. And of course now, Africa has the population, bro. We have 1.4 billion people who need food, 1.4 billion people who need a place to store their money, 1.4 billion people who need electricity, water. By 2050, you know, we'll be the biggest continent. Exactly, bro. So now if you look at it of Africa's population has not been born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true, bro. So like, if you can look at Africa from that point instead of just where it is now as a largely third world region, Africa, could it be its own independent body? And a lot of people have had suggestions of completely cutting us off from the rest of the world. But I feel like the most ideal version of a unified Africa would A, be an Africa that provides a platform for each country to trade on. I don't think like having it as equal positions would be fair because if you look at a country like Democratic Republic of Congo, man, they have natural gemstones for days and there's countries like Egypt with natural attractions like the pyramids so some countries have it better than other countries in terms of resources but if you look at it from a point where different countries could bring their resources up to this commission of the Europe of the African Union and then the African Union could do their marketing to the rest of the world as unified markets and then you bring that to our continent yeah there's resources everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's magnesium, there's petroleum, natural gas, iron, magnesium, limestone, gypsum, zinc, and lead in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Probably the rest of Northern Africa. This continent is truly the one and only place where you go and there is a resource everywhere. And that's why I truly believe it's the only, the only place that can truly be united. And then secondly, 
you really want to keep trading with these external powers if like let's see if you are the one controlling this decision they manipulate people too much number one they have a debt crisis the economies are going to shit bro why would we like you see one thing now let me give you the chinese example bro this is what happens in china china who do you think the biggest creditor to the usa is it's china they are though they have like the usa is china almost 20 trillion dollars mm-hmm. china's economy where is it it's internal bro they have their own social they have their own everything it runs internally you understand and we see because of that power they are able to they came on the global stage and they could have been they could have negotiated with people you see they they realize you can be manipulated and that's why they came with that africa is going straight they, they set their own standards these are the standards for trading in africa second do you know in china this is how it is but it's how serious it is while outside people you see if me have capital as a gem from the states like apple any capital apple puts into china can never be removed it's very hard to remove capital outside of that country you have to be using it and spending it then you understand you understand you can remove a bit but you can't remove all of it it's very hard and because of all that china 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 is may i feel i i don't know they try to take over africa but their model their model of not being not being you see you can't be too friendly with everyone I mean, it's with all the Africans, but when it comes to trading with the rest of the world, then especially since the rest of the world has put us in such a position, it's time we flex our muscles. It's basically the opposite now with Kenya and Africa, bro. Because the best example I can give is now the oil situation in Turkana, and even more recently, uh, we see a new super highway that's being put up along Mombasa Road to the airport. Yeah, so now the story for that one was um Kenya or at least the Kenyan government outsourced the job to some Chinese contractors and the agreement was Kenya wouldn't pay anything Kenya wouldn't pay for the construction the materials and the Chinese contractors would come in with their resources and their money and do it themselves but the Chinese contractors would have full access to the revenue for the next 20 years And so that's why that road is being built so quickly. Exactly, but it's gone up like they started putting up the support columns faster than they did for the entire thicker highway man. So it just goes to show how What much the people, hell. Exactly, bro. So it's the, the the revenue isn't going to go to the Kenyan government. That 300 bob you'll pay to access it is going to go straight so to the government. So it's going to leave a legacy of a road that has no revenue. And of course, the government will say during my term, we built the greatest super highway <laughs> in the world. All right. All right. You know, then I'll tell you one last thing is, if we're truly going to unite this continent, it's not even about economically. Mm. It's about the mindset of the continent. 70% of the continent is under 20. You know, people who are this population to this podcast, to truly move a whole continent forward there needs to be a sort of movement of unity that has never been seen before i don't know what truly united the states i don't the only guy i know club dance after thing is thomas ankara but him sadly i repeat to him as well mm-hmm. you know thomas ankara yeah that was the only guy who i truly feel like could have truly united this continent maybe, maybe also him but Now it, we have to stop depending on leaders. Exactly. Everyone, everyone has to start. Now this is what I want to tell you guys, young Africans. This is your future now. 10 years, 20 years from now, this is your future. You might end up living in an economy that's like what Zimbabwe. Would you ever want to live in something like that? Hell no. <laughs> this is your future that's now being played with. 
you now have because you must make an you must make a decision on mm. what you're going to let happen to your future me personally it starts with just having an open mindset to the rest of the continents anyone from wherever all those stupid pre notions like the ones in Kenya guys in Nigeria and those comments do what you want to hear them bro uh, uh, I'll meet you and then I'll make a decision after I meet you I'll make a decision before I met you you see that's one thing a lot of um people do just remove all that judging remove all that spite think objectively and think openly you don't even have to go like that whenever when everyone does that tribes yeah and just that I don't even know just start truly holding people accountable for their actions like somebody just can't um for example somebody just can't come when you elect someone and then he leaves your country in more debt than he ever than when he entered the economy is much worse mm-hmm. people are really suffering so actions have consequences and i think people can only truly show themselves in democracy and the last thing is you're being marginalized by democracy this is not what democracy is democracy in fact should be completely abolished <laughs> you know democracy is it's it's all about freedom of speech and you know you can think whatever you want but when you go to when you go to elections who what is it said this side or that side <laughs> dividing people by that you divide people by certain traits certain whatevers you see if you divide people the the, the decisions that will be made will only like obviously there'll always be one side bigger than the other so one side always win not everyone wins and that's why democracy where it is right now needs to is a whole reset okay. i don't know what needs to happen but there needs to be a whole change of i don't even know some yeah. some accountability like you know in places like europe some of the stuff that happens here will not fly there you guys see what has disappeared somebody has designed this going accountability that's 100% yeah. one of the yeah. things we need to set up and i mean or not one or one to just chat bombs about how bad situations is now we like to look for solutions so my personal recommendation even if we're not exactly comparing to china but if we're looking at how the chinese system and the chinese economy has set up this feeling of community and comparing it to places like africa and kenya you can see clear differences first of all the mindset of individualism and tribalism that's seen in kenya you don't see any of that crap in china of course they have the individual communities even have the different beliefs everyone has different you know beliefs ways of doing things but then albeit at the end of the day you are a chinese citizen and that rules above all and so you're going to see a lot more patriotism in china than you'd see even in the us even in the uk or especially here in kenya and africa secondly even from the moment you're born and you're raised you're raised with this mindset of it's you in this world and you have to make it by yourself bro you're told you go to school by yourself you get out of there you're on your own and everything you do is for your success but then in china as well how they're raised is they're raised to build up the people around you and to build your country and leave your impact so from the get go everybody over there is focused on thinking how can i make this country better for the people around me bro and so honestly i feel like it's an institutional change that needs to happen from the ground up man from the family up to the local school levels communities and of course to the top where we have these big political giants battling against each other because of tribalism and 
this is why we talked about in the BDI episode. It's not a bad idea, but the execution about it could be a bit negative because now you see people are saying, of course, now BDI is this, 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 but then at the end of the day, it's putting it in a place where there's no longer any this messed up version of democracy we have, but a place where everybody has a seat at the table. And at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want competent leaders who can make decisions that please everybody or at least the best for the country going forward. So, yeah. I just not actually think mm-hmm. this is the, my equalizer. This is how this continent moves forward. This is now back to the long-term thinking I was talking about. What is long-term thinking? What do you think long-term is? What do you define as long-term? In terms of a country, I'd say at least 50 years. At least 50 years. Interesting. Country level. Is there? The long-term, the long-term, the long-term, that's short-term. That's extremely short-term. Mm. The, the world has, not even what life has existed for millions of years. Mm. Millions. We planning for the next 50 years is not long term. The world has existed nine million years, all those millions of years. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. And what I also realize is modern business and economics has existed around maybe a thousand years, mm-hmm. two thousand years. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, because before life was not guys, do you think guys used to go to G at a business G what? No, guys used to live life, dudes. You understand? Yeah. The guys used to just live on their community. They just farm. They eat. They only say. Exactly. When there's a harvest, they're crying. They're done. <laughs> they say. Like, you understand? They have the value. You see, this whole capitalism needs to be abolished. Yeah. That's why Africa will never move forward. That's what I was just when you're talking about these things. And you're t- yeah, when you're thinking about it's me and I have to work hard and everything. That's capitalism. That's why capitalism has put us here. Yeah. If we're actually going to move forward truly, we need to. We're going to. We're going to have to reinvent capitalism completely, abolish it. But this is how I will probably do it, and this is why I will do it. So, on a continent like Africa, um, what if I told you I like talking about Norway because in Norway they, even Finland, and most countries, guys get paid like I guess universal income. So just for existing, you get paid. You go to work if you really want to. Or just to pass time, or you know, you most guys they're going like just live there today. I'm gonna do CG some art tomorrow. I'm gonna do whatever. There's no stress of at the grind, grind, grind. You get yeah. you, you can go to work and grind, obviously. The system is there, but it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. and that's why there's not a lot of poor people there, and there's a lot of not a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like, in and this is now what I told you, Norway is probably is the closest country that's around like a business, but not it's not yet a business. I told you they have this investment fund that feeds the entire country every year. Last year it made almost a trillion dollars oh, for everyone in Norway. So when you're born, I think you have like a two hundred thousand dollars stake in the fund. Mm. So every year that pays you out, you know, mm-hmm. you can imagine yeah, enough for you to live. Crazy shit. And anyway, food is food. Food is food is highly subsidized. Healthcare is free. School is free. Yeah. That's it. And the tax is extremely high, like sixty percent, obviously. But whatever. Everyone, everyone is okay. Care. This is now. Yeah, this business of me making, it's all about me grinding and me doing, you know, in capitalism, you have to do someone that, somebody has to lose for you to win. Yeah. Understand? Africa, Africa needs to be, Africa needs to be run as the most social enterprise in the world. This is how I will do it. Number one, 
I will end. I will genuinely create. I don't know the biggest business in the world, not a private business for profit, a social enterprise. This enterprise, what is its goals? Its goals are to feed the continent, provide for the people on the continent, and ensure that there are no poor people. Everyone has a house. Everyone has this, this, this. Basically, you understand? Basically. No, no way kind system. So, how do I do that? I, I create a bigger organization that gets all the resources. One supply is now on the market. I can triple the rates if I wanted to, quadruple them if I wanted to. I will do it and squeeze all the money out of the rest of the world. Amass the most amount of money by just selling those resources and having now systems in place to now handle that revenue properly and build a proper society going forward, you know, and completely removing capitalism and making life about truly being happy and living. Funded by obviously now obviously obviously not everyone wants to stay in their house. Some guys want to come and work at this biggest organization. You have maybe you'll have you know instead of having a president each country, you have like maybe a hundred people each country. I don't know even more. You understand? So guys are completely represented, and this social enterprise is not run at it to make money for anyone. It's run to keep every the entire continent running. So everyone who's coming to do it, so that they're getting they'll get paid obviously, but they're doing it because. Without this enterprise, the country, they already know what the continent was before. I don't think what this enterprise is established that anyone will do. And then secondly, once we have all those resources, we can now start, we can create our own industries, like internet, as I told you, we can create our own internet cables for the entire continent, create our own YouTube, Google, everything. New revenue, new businesses for everyone, create our own fashion, everything, all new industries. Healthcare, I don't know, alternative care, you know, some African type of stuff. You get. I agree, bro. I agree. And and just by doing that and now offering most services for free healthcare, school education, and proper education, not this biased bullshit. <laughs> not at you're going to scram shit like this. This different edu- like this education, truly education, but like a beta kind of education. Yeah. You get schooling and so, education. And, 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 also, and also people will also be truly educated on mental, mentally spiritual things, like not this religion stuff like spirituality you get what i'm saying so you create a continent that everyone is so content with their lives that they're not everyone will be peaceful you guys are content they're peaceful they'll never be beef and that's why africa is still be still like this there's so much beef but anyway a social enterprise will have to come and completely take over the continent and once it can do that the amount of capital this company this company can amass is in even five years even in a year you can pay off all the debt completely remove our financial system from the rest of the world create a single currency and who knows the rest from there we start we, we now play on our own level on our own games you're going to play in africa you play by our rules otherwise we're not playing we don't want to play you guys want to play with us you guys. We don't need any rules. so yeah that's how i believe it's probably possible honestly with that bro that's that's our two cents guys i mean this clear yeah, we're see, not also, financial experts we're not like run, now let me ask you: If you run a social business like that, uh, yeah? yeah, if you run a social business like that, who are you? You see, those products you cannot sell. You can't. Will you sell products to Africa? No. Interesting. There's also some interesting problems that come along with such a business as how you're going to generate. You need cash flow to run. Never mind. I already figured out how to do it. You remember when we were talking about um, that altcoin? Mm-hmm. That's a story for another oh, day. That altcoin, that altcoin is the that altcoin is the key to running such a company, and I'll I'll genuinely just open source it. And if anybody who wants to do it, hit me yes, up. Sir. 
we see how we can start organizing to run an entire I'm not saying that we're going to beef governments or anything. It's a very interesting way of integrating with the existing systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, we'll have to put that one out in a future service of void. A future episode. Mm. So yeah, um, this is the last episode of this season. Next season, big changes coming up. We're officially becoming void media. Yes, sir. Um, we're bringing on an addition. You guys know Stanley from Habanero. Some, some, what is it called? Simon Capital. And many other ventures that he does. This is now a man needed on the show. Why? Because he's not a man who's afraid to speak. <laughs> a man of controversy. You know, we have to be young sometimes. So you guys like controversies. I'm going to bring a whole lot of that and a lot more. You know, it's now more than just a podcast, it's now media. So we'll see you in season three. And We're out. Beef. <laughs> Beef. Madness. Right. That actually